Hey guys, welcome back to uh, online church in uh, this new uh, restricted lifestyle that we are all experiencing at the moment. Um, do hope and trust that you are doing okay, that you are finding God's peace in your heart, that you're not allowing a cabin fever to set in, that you are making the most of the opportunity to get out once a day for some exercise and you're doing that responsibly and you're, you're doing that consistently. It's ever so important to keep the old fresh air getting in, in the lungs and um, oh, as fresh as it gets in London and, um, you know, stretching our legs. I hope that you're just looking after yourself physically in this very, very unusual season uh, and, and that you are just, again, just finding that in this time where most of us are slowing down, not everyone, shop workers, NHS workers, certain others really not slowing down, far from it. Many of us um, slowing down that we're able to um, make that work well. And we trust that those of us who are working in shops and working in the front lines of the NHS, that you're finding the grace of God to be able to really, really uh, walk in this season in his peace. Um, and, and with a supernatural confidence um, that it really can't, can't, can't be explained any other, any other way than that God is drawing close to you by his spirit we um yeah but we're just just good to be together even though we're not actually together it's good to be together and uh this sunday's uh, message is not live as last one was we're just experimenting with different ways of doing it and finding which way works works the best but um we're going to carry on with our series called good to grow which is all about uh making sure that we that the, that the soil of our heart is not feel so filled with anxiety and worry that the things that God's trying to say and speak and do in us, it gets choked by that. Um, so we were in that series anyway, and it seems all the more pertinent now to be to be speaking into this kind of this kind of thing. And the the the, the title of today's message is "Help." My home life is way worse than anyone knows. And I guess really there's 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 different different things that could be going on to to make us feel this way. Maybe not everyone feels this way, but for some of us, this could be a very real thing that we're living with. It could be on one extreme that that we've actually got we're actually who we are in public is kind of really different from who we are in private. It's there's kind of a scenario going on where uh, for whatever reason, um, there's a huge discrepancy between who you appear to be. And who you really are. Maybe people would say, oh, they're real. They're the life and soul of the party. You know, they're, they're great to be around. But when you're indoors, you're, you know, your your tears are your food and drink, as the psalmist says, that you just feel, oh, that's not that's not really who I am. And uh, for whatever reason, you know, this just feels like there's this huge gap. And you think, oh, no one knows people have these assumptions about me. But it, it couldn't be further from the truth. And, and it could be not to do with your circumstances, just to do with the fact you you've not, you've not, learn how to align who you are on internally on the inside with with who you are publicly maybe it could be that um you've fallen into hypocrisy you've fallen into mask wearing and pretending it could just be that not that but you you just just deeply ingrained habits you think oh i don't know where to start it could be at the other end of the ex extreme not not that at all it's just you're facing some really tough things at home maybe who you live with you could be in a really, really unhappy marriage. You could be living with flatmates and there's incredible tension and difficulty. And, you know, even, you know, you even dread bumping into them on the way to the bathroom. That that kind of scenario is relational things going on. It, it could just be that home life just feels out of control, chaotic. Could be to do with your finances. 
could be just to do with your physical environment could be to do you haven't looked after things maybe and or things keep breaking and you haven't got the money to fix them and you just it's this it's chaos and you know I, I dress okay and people look at me and think you know that i look okay but indoors is that you know the, everything's broken or breaking or chaotic or out of control it could be that you know you, you for whatever reason there's just um kind of associate home life with just fantasy and escapism and you, you just kind of switch off from reality i mean there's yeah uh, on and on on and on we go but it's real it's real um probably it's real to some degree for most people at some point in their life um maybe there are some people whom this is never the case maybe there are others it just feels constant but probably for most people at some point in their life you go do you know what it's tough it's tough indoors bottom line it's tough behind closed doors what, what what how can god help me in this i'm going to read today we're going to look at the book of one kings one and two kings are probably two of the most interesting and arresting books of the old testament and it's really the times of the kings but also it focuses on the prophets particularly elijah and elisha uh, some of the stories are incredible and uh, real goosebump stuff and um <clears throat> and we find also this very uh sort of almost multi sort of layered kind of, of signposts towards jesus christ through the lights of these prophets and so we're, gonna, we're we're looking at one kings and we're in um chapter 17 and we're going to read from verse 8 in just a moment so one kings chapter 17 verse 8 and we're going to read to the end of the chapter i'm just going to uh, explain to you the context the context is is that elijah as a prophet has appeared uh, to, to the king king ahab very evil uh horrible man married to uh, maybe a, a woman called jezebel who's maybe even worse um what a, what a pair they are um and they're really bringing the country into absolute uh, degradation and um, debauched horrific um practices and idolatry and blah 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 god raises up elijah as a prophet and he in god's judgment on the nation is just that it's going to be a drought it's going to be a famine uh, because of this um and and he pronounces that until until you hear my words again the rain has stopped and then he has to go into hiding he be, then becomes a wanted man um jezebel is a murderous woman and um and so he becomes a wanted man so he he he, he goes away and he, he he lives in seclusion by a brook for a period of time but then even the water there dries up and then we'll pick it up in verse eight then the word of the lord came to him arise go to zarephath which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you've said, but first give me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, 
Make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in it. She said to Elijah, what have you against me, a man of God? You have come to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, give me your son. And he took him from and he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord, oh, Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? And then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, oh, Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah and the life of the child came into him again. And he revived and Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. Father, thank you for your word and a wonderful story. I pray now as I speak, even though, Lord, when I speak and when people listen, there's a time delay. It's strange. It's new. It's unusual. I pray you would own your word. People get built up, encouraged, transformed. And I even pray, Lord, there'll be some listening and watching who have never yet come to know you personally, whose hearts would be quickened by this message, and they will come to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so we're going to look, um, we're going to just work through this story. I'm going to try to join up this whole idea of our home lives uh, being worse than anyone knows, uh, and and this story. Um, I want you to notice before anything, uh, who's who's who in this in this story to make it make sense i want us to imagine that we are this woman that she represents us and elijah represents jesus he represents the the mouthpiece of god which is what he was a prophet the presence of god he represents that as perfectly legitimate to do that all of these prophets and teachers in the old testament were all really ultimately signposts towards the lord jesus christ so so imagine that we are the woman in this situation and, and elijah is Jesus. Now, notice, first of all, this, that, that God speaks to Elijah and says, go there. I have. What does he say? He says, um, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Now, I don't think this widow knew that she'd been commanded by God to feed Elijah, because when Elijah comes along, she says, I can't feed you. I'm just I haven't got enough for me and my son. So I don't think that she knew this. That, But God is at work invisibly preparing her for jesus god is at work preparing her for jesus invisibly mysteriously almost behind the scenes she doesn't know she is not aware of it but she's been she's been um she's been commanded by god she's been commanded by god to receive the prophet she's been commanded by god to bless and serve the prophet elijah and there's a real wonderful image here for those of us who have received Jesus. That, you know, we, the Bible says, Jesus himself said, no one can come to me unless the father draws him. 
it's mysterious we don't know the mechanics of it they are they are well, i think we may be plumbing the depths of these things for a long time <laughs> uh when we're in glory um we don't understand the mechanics of it but but if if we receive christ it's because in a, there's a sense in which the father himself has has enabled that the father himself has 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 commanded us in that sense to do so we've 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 been moved upon by God, not that we would have known that when we come to know Jesus, when we first give our life to Jesus, we just, as far as we're concerned, we, we make a decision to follow him. We make a decision to repent of our sin and trust in him. And, and as far as we're concerned, you know, we're, we're, our heart is we want to follow Jesus. But as we are, are matured in the faith and we read our scriptures, we realize, wow, God was at work in me before that. God was drawing me to his son. And so we see, I want you to understand, it's very important. It's very important that we realize that God began the work in us. Even before we chose Jesus, God began the work in us. I think there's something very, very powerful and important there in that. And so the and so you see, the prophet comes along and uh, he really asks her to do an amazing thing. He asks her to do an extraordinary thing. He says um, it's in the middle of a drought caused by him. He's the means of the drought. She's about to die. And he says to her, he says, do, bake us a cake, will you? You know, she's, well, I haven't really, I've not got the equipment. I've got a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Me and my son, we're going to eat this and die. He says, okay. He says, look, look before you go any further, <clears throat> bake it up. Just, it's really important what he says to her. He says, um, first, make me a little cake <laughs> and bring it to me. And afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. You think, Elijah. Is, is that appropriate? What, what's going on here? What he's doing here is he's he's calling her. He he knows God has called him. He knows that God has spoken to her. He's calling her to radical faith. He's calling her to, to take steps of radical faith of putting him first. He's, he's calling her to put him first. And then he makes her a promise. He says, he says do that. And what you've got won't run out. Put me first and then what you've got won't run out. So there's a, a, a very radical invitation, but with it, a promise. It's like when Jesus says, leave everything and follow me. And whatever you lose, I will pay you back a hundredfold in this life and the life to come. A, there's this radical invitation, this call, radical call. Leave everything. Put me first in it. Put me first in everything. Put me for, and and you know what? You will find a provision flows into your life that is completely uh, contrary to circumstances that operates on a completely different level from what's going on around you. Wow. Don't you love this? And so and so there's a, a miracle that happens when we're told that she then she went and did as Elijah said. This is called the obedience of faith. She said, you know what? I'm not just a man of God. So so she does it. And then. What we're told is, is that then this oil and this flour, they just continue. Uh, I mean, I could do a, some of this flour right now. Flour is quite hard to find, right? So they've only got a little bit, but it just keeps, it doesn't it doesn't stop. The miraculous rhythm of God kicks in and he stays there with her. He's given an upper room and he stays there with her. They, they, he, she, she gives him lodging for this season and they live off this flour and this oil and, the, and these little cakes and loaves that they are making here. Now, here's the thing I want to put before us, thinking now about our home life. What is it? Relationships. 
finances, priorities, affections, things in our heart that we love. You know, Jesus is saying, put me first. Don't, don't just pretend to put me first with your Christian friends. Put me first. It's a really radical call. Put me, for, put me first. In this season, put me first in your relationships. Well, you have to work out what that, what that looks like. I mean, there's obviously a proviso here. If you're in a scenario which is dangerous, if you're in a scenario behind closed doors that's dangerous, the first thing you need to do is get safe. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not preaching sort of the total lack of common sense, total lack of wisdom. Putting Jesus first doesn't mean you throw out wisdom and common sense. If you're in a dangerous situation, Okay, first things first, get you and your loved ones safe. Um, that's just sensible, okay, and that's honouring to God to do that. But here's the thing, put Jesus first. So in relationships, that means don't be vengeful. In relationships, that means don't be bitter. It means forgive. Um, in relationships, uh, that means um, don't be passive-aggressive. In relationships, uh, that means don't get involved in stuff that you're with people that your conscience wise. You think, why am I doing this? Don't do that. Put Jesus first. Okay, it's honor honor your conscience. Do do what gives you what brings the peace of God. Okay, put Jesus first. Whether it's finances, honor God. Use your money in a godly, wise way. Don't be don't be reckless. <laughs> I mean, it's never the time to be reckless, but really, at the moment, it's not the time to be reckless. Don't be reckless. Um, don't do that. Um, you know, um, continue to give um, according to your means. Okay, continue to be generous according to your means. Continue to give local church according to your means. I'm not talking about in inappropriate way. Not calling people to do things that would that would uh, be like a heavy burden. But according to your means, according to the grace of God, according to the faith that gives you, that He gives you, continue to be godly and honor Him with your first fruits. Continue doing that. Okay, it, it's a radical call. Continue. Um, so uh, be godly, put Jesus first with your priorities. So prayer, the word, fellowship, put him first. Put, these are the things that he wants you to do as a priority because it's really good for your soul, really shapes you into godliness and Christ-likeness so that you can live for him and enjoy his presence throughout the days and the nights. Put him first in terms of your affections. You know, if there are things that you know your heart goes towards, but they're dark, okay, Put him first. Kill him. By the power of the Holy Spirit, kill him. Because the promise is, as you do this, listen, it, there's a flow that is released to you. And this is the key. Very often you find that when people fall into stuff that's dark and unhelpful and not godly, it's because they don't believe the promise that comes with the radical call. Jesus brings a radical call, but then he brings the promise with it. And people don't believe that. Listen, believe the promise God can make a way where there is no way. God can do extraordinary things way above and beyond what we could even ask or imagine. It's so important that you allow faith to hook into the faithfulness of God and trust him for his promises. Outside of that, you won't do the radical thing. OK, you just won't. So it's not just about oh, I've got to do that. No, no, no. I'm doing that. And I'm trusting that the Lord is going to provide for me. Trusting that the Lord is going to make way. He's going to put his hand on things and touch things. OK, so that's how. Uh, that's how that, that works. And really, for those of you that are listening in today and you're watching and you're not yet believer in Jesus, for you, it's just this sense of, listen, give your heart over to Jesus, your affections, the center of who you are to him. He loves you 
He's demonstrated that once and for all by completely paying the price for the wrong things that you've done on the cross. So you can be forgiven as a free gift. He rose from the dead as a demonstration that he is all that he said he was. He's the son of God. He's been declared the son of God in a really powerful way by the resurrection. He's alive today and he calls you to himself. He he the Bible says that God calls all people everywhere to repent, to turn away from 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 not living in him and in his life and uh, trying to find our own way through. He calls us away from that, calls us to himself and promises all those who believe in him will receive eternal life. And that, that begins now. You know, it. he comes and lives in you by his spirit. He makes you brand new. He washes you as you repent and trust in him. He washes you and makes you clean. So listen, that's the radical step for you. Come to Christ, make him your Lord. He loves you. He promises you eternal life. He promises you will live in you by spirit. You'll know it. You're going, you won't be the same. Tell him, call on him to save you. Watch, watch what he does. Um, so, so, so that, so that's, that's the scenario in the story so far. He's making this radical call, uh, on her. She does it. They're flowing. Okay. They're flowing. And then the kid dies. Here's the thing you see. The thing that is dearest to her, she's obviously lost her husband. Maybe they're divorced. Maybe he died. No, it's a widow. Sorry. Of course, she's a widow. So he died. So she, her most precious thing in her life, her son, he then dies. And um, I don't know. Maybe she thought to herself, now we've got the prophet here. Everything's going to be perfect. Sometimes we can think, now we've got Jesus. Everything's going to be perfect. It's not always like that. Things come our way that you think, oh, I never thought that this was going to happen. Surprising things and sometimes difficult, difficult things. But notice her response. It's fascinating. She says this. She says, um, she says, what have you against me, O man of God? You've come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. So the thing dearest to her in her home, the thing behind closed doors, her, the thing that, that she's really that is an essential part of her private life, of her inner life, her very son it's broken. Okay. Well, I don't know what it is for you, but whatever it is that's part of your inner life that's behind closed doors, you think it's broke. What's going on here? It's so quick to think God's against me. It's so quick to think Jesus is just against me here. Or you think, oh, you just, this is just because of things I've done wrong. This is so, it's so fascinating to see her response. All of us have things in our past, things we've said and done. You think, oh, I regret saying and doing those. They were wrong before God. They're, they're sinful. All of us have things where we think, oh, I should, have, I should have done that. That was the right thing to do, but I didn't do it. We all have those. And, you know, when these difficulties hit, we can find ourselves sort of kicking into that thing straight away. Oh, it's punishment. Oh, yeah, it's just punishment for that, you know. And if you go down that road, it's a, it's a terrible place to be. It's a horrible. There's no life in that. It's really not uh, in any way the heart of God. Uh, for us it, it it's it won't get you anywhere notice what happens she says this and then he says to her give me your son he says give me that thing give me that thing that's closest to you give me that thing that's behind closed doors that's not working as you would like that's broken give it give it to me jesus wants it jesus says let me let me have it let me have it and then not only that i love it it says that he took him from her arms so there's this proactive. You haven't even got a. I haven't even got the strength to give it to you, Lord. It's just, just let. He's just saying, no. Just let me have it. Just go. I'll take it. Beautiful. I'll take it. What is it? Whatever it is, Jesus says, just let me have it. I'll take it. And he takes this thing, this broken thing, this lifeless thing. You think it's gone. 
It's right, it takes it up, it takes it up to his inner room. It's beautiful, Jesus taking our lifeless, broken elements. You think, oh, what's, what are we going to do with that? There's no life in it. He takes it, Jesus takes it, and he uh, takes it to his own heart, to his own inner, lies it on his bed, takes, brings that thing. And, and, and first of all, just, just this idea of just, just covering this thing in his rest. So, okay, we're going to get rid of the anxiety, the disquiet, the fear, the condemnation, the uh, God's against me. We're going to get rid of all that. We're just going to just, just, just lie this thing down in the place where I, where I rest, my, my place of rest. And then he lies himself, lies himself on the boy. It's wonderful. He lies himself. I'm going to breathe my very life. I'm going to impart my very life to this. I will impart my life to this. Just give me it. Not just in a prayer. It's part of it, but fully. Just give me it. I will take it. I'm going to impart my life into this. Lies on it. Interesting three times. There's so much that could be said about that. But all I really want to say is that there's a process. It's not always like that. But he is faithful. He's a redeemer. He will impart his life into it. It's a beautiful insight also into just the humanity of Elijah here, where he says, oh, Lord, my God, if you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I'm traveling by killing, by whom, with whom I sojourn by killing her son, he's basically saying, you've used me to bring calamity on the whole nation. Now, now just by me living, even Elijah as a human is thinking, wherever I go, just cause trouble. Such a wonderful human insight. But looking back at Elijah through our lens of Jesus, looking at finding Jesus in him, this is such a wonderful, wonderful moment of uh, the life of the child came into him again. The breath returned. Wonderful, isn't it? Absolutely wonderful. You know, the Bible says that Jesus lives to make intercession for us. He lives to represent us before the Father's throne. He lives to, to bring those parts of our lives and souls, you think, so broken, so so not what it should be. What I love about this story is that it doesn't leave us in a place of passivity where we just go, oh, cool, whatever, fine. Jesus says, even though Jesus takes the boy, he says, give him to me. <laughs> give him to me. The context is radical devotion to Jesus, trusting in the promise, you see. So that's the context. If you've lost heart, lost faith, redeem that. But that's a different diff thing. The context is here's someone they're living for Jesus. They believe in his promise, and as a result, they're taking these radical steps. But something's out, something, ah, there's this thing, it's died, this element. It's not what it, it's not what it should be. Give it to me, Jesus says. The Bible says you can cast your cares onto the onto God because he cares for you. What a wonderful scripture. Cast them on. Give them, give them to me. <laughs> I tell you, he, he redeems. Everything he touches, he redeems. He doesn't bring condemnation. Okay. The day is coming when Christ will return. That's called the day of judgment. It's an age where there will be final judgment. There will be. The Bible says this age is redeeming hand, bringing it fresh life and fresh freshness and brightness. He will do that. That's what he does. He just says, give, give it to me. And so let him let him do that.
Um, I love at the end, she says, now I know you're a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth is truth. She knew it anyway. It's interesting. She knew it. She trusted. She was radical. But through this, she comes out and she says, now I know. And think, well, how does that work? Here's how it works. Faith is knowing. Faith is knowing. But you know what? Over time, our faith gets stronger. So we find ourselves saying, now I know. <laughs> now I know. This is amazing. I really I. So we come to Jesus in the first place because we there's that glimpse enough to say, I get it. You're the one. You're the savior. You're the Christ. I bow the knee. But then as we go on and we give him these things and trust him, our, 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 our faith gets deeper and deeper as we see him come through again and again and again. Say, and now I know how many times have I said, Lord, now I know. I tell you, he's faithful. I tell you, he is faithful. He's so much kinder than we could ever imagine. He's so much more powerful than we could ever imagine. There's a process. There's things we have to walk through. It can test us, squeeze us. It refines us. Doesn't It doesn't destroy us, but it does refine us. It, it draws out the ugly stuff. It, it does do that. But there's a process to walk through. Because his aim is to transform us. And through this process, he transforms us. But none of it is because he couldn't do it just like that. He has the power. But his wisdom is so immense and multifaceted that he's looking to uh, he's looking to sort out 101 things in the one situation. We're just concerned with that. We are, we're so limited. We just, we just think, Lord, he's thinking, yeah, I know, I care, I'm with you. Give it to me. But we're going to sort out even a number of other things through this process. Hallelujah. Praise God. How do we just wrap things up now and apply this? I just say, first of all, to those of you who don't yet know the Lord Jesus, step in, step into him. It's so simple. It's it, it takes everything, but it's a free gift because he's paid the price at the cross. Step in, trust him. Just say, Lord, I repent of my sins. I repent of being Lord of my life. I want you to be Lord of my life. I want to trust you. Lead me. Be my, be my Lord, my Saviour, my Captain, my King. Bow the knee. Watch what he does. Wonderful, 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 wonderful. To those of you that are disciples, just beware all of that mistrust, all of that, God, you're against me. Oh, God, this is happening because of this sin that I did and this, that and the other. And yeah, beware that, that way of thinking. Sometimes things happen in life as a consequence of sinful decisions we make. Yeah. Okay. When that's the case, it's clear. We can see what's going on. We repent. I know sometimes you have to live with the consequences. He totally forgives us and totally cleanses us because of the blood of Jesus. And we don't have to live under the, the condemnation and the heaviness of that. Okay. We, we, we mourn over our sin. We get forgiven. And then we, we it's, it's buried. The Bible says God separates our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. Okay. So. The last thing a believer's mindset should be when things go wrong is just this kind of random sense of, yeah, it's because I'm so bad. It's because I'm so awful. God knows that we are fallen. God knows that we are flawed. God knows the ugliest parts of what goes on on the inside. Having all of that knowledge, he chose us. He gave his son to die for us. He's won us to himself. He's not then going to start punishing us because we're so imperfect. That's crazy. That's, that would be schizophrenic. That is not what the Lord is like. Okay, that, that, that's just utterly 
inconsistently knows what we're like so when things go bad or things aren't where they are don't go introspective don't go in on yourself if you know don't don't do that okay don't don't go down that way just give it to jesus and and trust him um and really just to round up by saying let let's not let's not settle for secret secret things things behind closed doors that are dark let's not settle for that it as years go on you, as you get older you can just you know what sometimes when you're a young believer you can be so radical dealing with stuff like that and as you get older you can just uh, you know you sort of lower the bar a bit i want to speak to some of those of us who've been following jesus a bit longer but let's not let's not do that okay uh let's let's The fact that the Lord sees everything, I don't find that to be really discomforting. I find it really comforting. It just, I just find, because I know he's for me. I know he's not judging and condemning me, but it, but what it does do, it does provoke me to think, I want to, I want to live, I want to, who I am when no one's looking, I want to be the same as who I am when, when people are looking and, and, you know, I'm nowhere near perfect on that front, but I, I aspire to that. And there's a beauty and a peace and a harmony and an integrity in that. You just think, oh, I can just be me. Ah, it's so liberating. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, you creatures here below. Praise him above, you heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. What a king we serve. He is worthy of our praise. Luke is going to uh, lead us now in taking the bread and the wine. That's going to uh, happen automatically. And um, so let's be uh, ready to do that. And then after that, um, there will be opportunity for those of you who would like to um, visit an online prayer room. <laughs> yeah, look at us. Look at us go. Uh, but there's some people that are really ready and willing to um, confidentially pray with you and so the directions for how to to get to that online prayer room will be sent out uh, uh, on the next bit that luke does but also just to say gospel communities running partners now's the time now's the time um four new gospel communities online ones started as a result of the shout out last week that's wonderful let's get involved i think i think there's now um 120 revers in GCs. There's a there's about 215 revers in total. We've got enough room in our GCs now to take everyone. So if you want to start a new one, you can, but we've got enough room now. Everyone can get in a gospel community. Follow the links and all the comms that come through. Let's really begin. Let's this is an redeem the time. This is an opportunity in God. This strange, strange season. If we allow the Lord to move as He wants to, I tell you, He will form us into something wonderful glorious beautiful refined formidable in this season let's fully throw ourselves in in this season and engage in church life to the max okay lots of love to you guys really so excited who knows when but so excited to see you all in the flesh uh, carrying you in my heart and um yeah lots of love bye bye